0: Hi, welcome to another episode of The Postscript. I'm Pastor Brandon Briscoe of Midtown Baptist Temple, and I'm here with Pastor Dan Renault of Living Faith Lee Summit. And we've been having a conversation over the last few weeks about many different things. Uh, talked about church planning, uh, talked about discipleship. Last time we were together, we had a conversation about the book of Jeremiah, particularly uh, chapter 1, and, and we talked a lot about what it meant to live a radical Christian life where God's Word is at the forefront of our ministry and and our livelihood. And we're going to continue that conversation this week as we discuss the book of Acts. So, Dan, welcome back. Here we are again. Thank you. And uh, you've been in Acts the last few months, mm-hmm. and I'm preaching Acts in uh, in Kaya as well. And so I thought we should have a conversation about what God's showing us in Acts. And and so I, maybe the first question would be, what are some of the things about Acts that stand out the, the most to you or that, that have been the most impactful as you've studied?
1: Well, I think when it comes to our our type of churches we we love to to get into the doctrine and to make sure that our our, our the people of our churches understand proper doctrine out of the book of acts which is a transitional yeah. book and that's
0: now, now when you say that can you just explain when we say that acts is a transitional book Practically, what do we mean by that? So if someone is hearing that for the first time and they're thinking, well, Acts is just
1: another book of the Bible, what makes it transitional? Explain that. Well, we're transitioning from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We're transitioning from the Jews to the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even in the book of Acts, we're transitioning from the ministry of Peter to the ministry of Paul. And so, so many things are developing with the church age, uh, from a Jewish context to a Gentile context. Okay. And so, the, all of those transitions, we also see transitions even in the sign gifts mm-hmm. that were present for the apostles. Uh, the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. Right. Uh, we see how the Holy Spirit of God was working in the lives of the apostles, not in the same context as how we would be serving Christ today, but, but in these men uh, we see how God was working through them, mm-hmm. uh, and so th- and that was a transitional time. It was it was a very special moment as the church was being developed. And so, for us, as we're going to preach the Book of Acts, we need to make sure that our people know that.
0: Yeah, so they don't see Acts as a formula for the church, but a historical record for the church that shows us w- what what happened, what took place, that led yeah. us to this to where we're at now.
1: Yeah, Luke uh, Luke is writing the the author of Acts. He's writing a historical account of the apostles, mm-hmm. of, of what God was doing during this time. And so we don't want to look at it from a doctrinal standpoint. We can we can gather great doctrine from the book of Acts, we know that. Right, right. Uh, but we want to subscribe to Romans through Philemon for the doctrinal books for the churches mm-hmm. because they're written to the church. Mm-hmm. And so the book of Acts is a historical book, it's transitional in nature, and so that's important when, yeah. when we discuss that. But more than that, one of the critical things that I see in the book of Acts, which is exciting, mm-hmm. is in the midst of adversity, in the midst of, of great attack, of opposition, the apostles were diligent to obey God. Mm-hmm. They just obeyed God. Uh, and, and I think that, that that's something that, that our church needs today. We, we need to see examples like this of men who hazarded their lives. They, they completely gave up their own agenda because it didn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Whatever they were doing before, if they were fishermen, if, if they were tax collectors, or if they were taught under Gamaliel, it just didn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul says that his life, you know, all these things that he gathered before, it was like dung. Yeah, it he, he was just garbage. And so, I look at these individuals, and and for me, as I've studied it, it's pretty impactful. Yeah, these men who who hazarded their lives to be obedient to God.
0: And uh, I mean, I've noticed the same things. It's been revolutionary for me, and and inspired me. And I think the the, the college and young adult ministry. To think in those terms. And one of the most immediate examples of what you're talking about, this this desire to leave everything behind and to be obedient in a way uh, that we don't previously see in his life is Peter. Mm-hmm. I mean, Peter is a different man in Acts than he is in the Gospels. Yeah, in every way. In almost every regard. And um, he's not perfect, but he is he is functioning in light of this kind of um, hazarding of his life, this obedient lifestyle, the way that he communicates, the way that he holds himself, is com- is what I would describe as fearless, mm-hmm. um, especially in those first, you know, the first half of the book. Um, so, so maybe talk a little bit about why he, Peter's life looks so different. Like, what is it about him that you, that we see change?
1: Well, and I think the most immediate answer would be Acts two, mm-hmm. you know, and and we see in Acts one eight. Uh, the the mission is given to them right. that you'll be my witnesses, my martyrs, uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. And but only after the power, the power of, of, of God, God, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts two, we see that happen, and then Peter delivers this dynamic message. Mm-hmm. And we understand that there's a kingdom of heaven context in the sense that he is speaking to the nation of Israel, and sure. that 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 message in Acts 2 was very Jewish in, nat- in nature, ye men of Israel. Right. Uh, he's he's telling them that they need to repent of crucifying their king. Mm-hmm. And so this is why, you know, and, and, we, and we walk through that, right. but even from a context to where we would be reading it today, the Holy Spirit is now in his life. Mm-hmm. And this bumbling, sometimes saying too much individual who puts his foot in his mouth and and makes grandiose claims. He's gone. Yeah, I mean, he's gone. The immaturity seems to have completely. But his character's still there. His his personality. You know, he, he's still bold. But now he's he's bold under the authority of God and His Word. Mm-hmm. He's quoting Scripture in the Book of Joel and. And he's finding connections with David in the Psalms. He's, he's comparing spiritual with spiritual mm-hmm. from two passages in the Psalms with David. I mean, he's just a different individual. Yeah. Things that didn't make sense before, because the Spirit of God dwells in him, uh, he, he now has the Spirit of God to, to teach yeah. him, so then he can speak powerfully.
0: Right. And, and so obviously, uh, chapter 2 provides us with so much insight uh, into the early church, uh, gives us doctrinal insight into what uh, you know the church looked like as it grew in a Jewish context. We learn a lot about Peter. We learn a lot about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Um, there's so much to learn there. But I think you know we we've mentioned this briefly before. But in chapter four, I think we both in chapter three and four as that narrative kind of unfolds, the healing of the lame man mm-hmm. um, into chapter four where, where Peter starts preaching. Things really begin to hit hit the ground. Um, Maybe let's, let's walk through that a little bit and discuss what, what it is that, that you see. I mean, you just got done preaching chapter 3 and 4. Yeah. What is it that you see there that was, is so powerful for you?
1: Well, and I, I think what we, we find is this: there's this lame man who is seated outside the temple. Mm-hmm. He, he can't even find his way in. He has friends who have brought him to the temple, but he is lost in his sin. He still has no way to, to make it in. Mm-hmm. Peter and John, they approach him at the hour of prayer Mm -hmm. during the evening sacrifice, which for them, they would have remembered very clearly that this was when Christ also became the evening sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And so there's these great parallels of this lost individual needing to receive salvation. And what better time than at the time of prayer and the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, And once again, the lost man has no clue what to ask for. He, he, he's wanting money as if that's going to sustain right. him. And Peter and John, they say, hey, we don't have that. But what we do have, we're going to give you. Mm-hmm. And, and so they, they by, by the name, by the power of Jesus Christ, they heal this man. But what I find interesting, and as you read through this, once you get to chapter four, it wasn't the healing of the lame man that caused a fight, Everyone came, everyone was running to that. What happened? Some lame man got, got healed. He was there for 40 years. He, he, from birth, he couldn't walk and now he's leaping. What happened? Mm-hmm. People were excited. And, and I find, even from an inspirational standpoint, that for our churches today, we just go gaga over experience. Mm-hmm. If we have a good church experience, well, that's just fantastic. Nothing could get better. And, and even the people of, of Israel had no problem with... With the experience, mm-hmm. but what they had a problem with was when Peter opened his mouth and began to teach and preach to the people Jesus Christ and the resurrection, and that is when the opposition came.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think, it, you know, the 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 healing that takes place there, the uh, the testimony of this one man, I think, also is interesting in that it cre- does create a platform uh, for other mm-hmm. people to hear the gospel. And Peter took f- full advantage of that. And then what we see is, is you know, especially concerning this idea of Peter being a changed man, um, was, he's just incredibly vocal and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and explicit, I yes. think is one of the things that we have to focus on is how explicit his terms are as it concerns Jesus Christ and the, and, and the gospel uh, of repentance and belief.
1: Yeah, he's not vague at all, and, no. and and I think that's where we shortchange God so often is is when someone has a powerful testimony to give, and and whether Peter is the one giving the testimony for the lame man or the lame man wants to do it himself, mm-hmm. uh, we sometimes want to shortcut God or, or we don't want to go into the details, and what we're doing is we're 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 robbing ourselves of this wonderful opportunity to 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 see God grow in in a new person. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about Peter's response, he was very specific in nature. He says, are, are you talking about this guy, this man who was healed? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't speak of some generic uh, thing. His, his message is not superficial. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can see God doing a work in your life too. And it wasn't all that weirdness. No, and he's, was su- he's super
0: sensitive like It's amazing how sensitive he is here. You know, I think about his time with Jesus in the Gospels and how often what they had set out to do would get interrupted by the people and how open Christ was to having the agenda interrupted for, for the sake of souls. Mm-hmm. You, have, you see Peter and John, they're on their way to worship, which is a very noble and important thing. But this man speaks to him. And I, and I love this passage where it says Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John said, look on us. Mm-hmm. And he was sensitive what, to what the spirit was doing in that moment. And he spoke. And because he chose to do that, it it opened a series of events that he, he couldn't have anticipated, but it gave him a platform to speak the gospel with com- complete uh, liberty to a larger crowd of individuals because he was willing to acknowledge this one situation. And I think that's That's a really important aspect.
1: and I think uh, this guy was forgotten. He was a nobody. Mm -hmm. There was no point in giving him any credence. But yet, because he focused on what appears to be the person of peace Mm -hmm. that that everyone had discarded, that person of peace then gave opportunity for a later message that ends up being quite significant.
0: Right. And why is that important to us? I mean, just thinking about that
1: inspirationally, why is that important to us? Well, I think we always are looking on the outside Mm -hmm. of the people I've even said it myself, but but so often we'll say something along the lines of, "Well, this guy, if he really gets his act together, he could be greatly used of God," Mm -hmm. and 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 yet, but this guy can't. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we sometimes you know will look for people that we think will be impressive. We look for Sauls, we look for Absaloms, Mm -hmm. and what we need to be is faithful in any individual that God puts in our lives, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether we perceive them to be a waste of our time or of, of great necessity. We need to have God's eyes.
0: Right, absolutely. And so he preaches, and uh, you know he, he, he says things like, uh, in, in verse 8 of chapter 4, uh, he's filled with the Holy Ghost, right? And you, then you see him beginning to, sp- to speak. Uh, be it known unto you all, and to all the, the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom he crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by whom... Uh, by him doth this man stand Mm -hmm. here before you whole. And he goes on to preach. And then uh, the thing I want to look at is is verse 13, where it says, now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Um, Obviously a a very famous passage of scripture, Mm -hmm. but what what does that mean for us? I mean, if we're looking at this, and we're
1: looking to Peter and John as an example here, what does a passage like that mean for us? Well, yeah, and from an inspirational standpoint, it couldn't get simpler. Mm-hmm. Do people know me that I've spent time with Jesus? Yeah. And I'll tell you, that's, that's, that should shake us if we really consider it. Does the lost world, when they look at my life, when they, when they consider who Dan Renault is, do they say well i know that he's he's spent time with jesus mm-hmm. and i believe that that's the the simple message if you will is is do people see that in us mm-hmm. you know and i and i think the reason why they say these things is because everything that peter says is is jesus and jesus and it's constantly this affirming that he he says don't look at us as if we did something sure this this miracle that happened to the layman wasn't because of me
0: or even or even our eloquence like yeah i think it's that one of the things that's really amazing about that is that these are unlearned men mm-hmm. and they're ignorant and everyone knows it everyone sees that about them which gives i think even the, the, the most uneducated or the person who has a, a, you know a, a past that would seem prohibitive uh, or make them unqualified for the work suddenly any person who's willing to spend time with jesus mm-hmm. christ has capacity to be used mightily, yeah, and that's so important to us.
1: We limit the power of God in, in our lives. It, it, it goes back to when Jesus in Mark six, he says, and and he could not do many many you know miracles in this town you know mm-hmm. except heal a couple sick folk, which to him that was just like every day. Yeah, he says he couldn't do many miracles. Why? Because of their unbelief. Mm-hmm. And I believe that 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 is the narrative for us so often, too, is why are we not seeing this happen in our lives? Now, it could be sanctification issues. It could be that we're allowing sin in our lives. But if we are seeking God's will, uh, then I believe that we should be expecting God's power. Mm. But the reason why we don't see it is because we don't think it could happen. Right. God surely couldn't use me. Now, He could use you, because you're a good one. You're a right, good Christian, right, right. or yeah, that's well, what you're the a pastor. pastor. The pastors yeah. do
0: that, or the leaders do that.
1: And it's just, that's a, a sad thing. Yeah,
0: how do, we, how do we reach the world? You know, how do we possibly mobilize how, how, without laborers? I mean, we talked about this in the last uh, segment, mm-hmm. but there's, the issue is not fruitfulness. The fruit is in abundance. Mm-hmm. The issue is, have we spent time with Jesus, and are we willing to be bold? Because that's what constitutes a laborer. Mm-hmm whether or not they've spent time with Jesus and whether or not they're the fruit of that is their willingness to be bold. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super powerful.
1: Well, and the, the laborer is a representative of the company. Mm-hmm. The laborer the is, yes, is a representative. And so they say, well, these guys, they've been with Jesus because of the way they represented him. Mm-hmm. They represented him, him well, not because they were awesome. On the contrary, they were ignorant, unlearned fishermen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, you've been with Jesus. We can tell you're representing His name, right. And and clearly He was.
0: This question came up in my interview with Alan, and it, it was based on a conversation that you and I had. At one point, you met Warren Wiersbe, right? I, was, I didn't get to go with you that day. That's a, long, that's a whole other story. Yep. But you met Warren Wiersbe, and and so I had a conversation with Alan Shelby about um, about the the concept of revival, and what what does it take. For us to come to a place of revival again, another awakening, or a, um, you know, a, a time of, of um, our, our, our faith being reestablished mm-hmm. in the world, and um, maybe tell us about that story when you were when you were talking with Wearsby, what he when he was talking about um, about revival.
1: Well, yeah, so a privilege, yeah, incredible privilege to sure. to be asked to even go there and. Mm-hmm. And he's this humble man and lives in the middle of Nebraska and and uh, just yeah, just a wonderful experience. But I go downstairs to his library and it's incredible. And so we're walking around there and he's telling us some stories. And uh, with a man of full, of great integrity, yeah, he's and, kind of a
0: grandpa type. Of oh well,
1: yeah, yeah. And so it just it was a privilege, but. And so I'm thinking of, of, I'm trying to ask him a question. Mm-hmm. And so I said, "What does America?" And he didn't even let me finish it. You know, I, I was your mid-sentence. Mid-sentence, and he says persecution. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even. He doesn't even wait for. He goes, "I don't care what the rest of your question is. The answer is persecution." And I thought, okay. Yeah. And, and I left considering that he says, "I don't care what." how the question ends, the answer is persecution. That this is the the answer to the apathy that's found in the church today. It's pretty eye-opening.
0: And so I think about that statement in light of a book like Acts. How does that inform your perspective, inspirationally in particular, on what's going on in the book of Acts? I mean, we could even make an argument there's an aspect for which it's doctrinal. Um, that persecution begets fervency. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think inspirationally, there's a lot to say about it. What do you think in terms of the book of Acts? Why is that so important?
1: Well, I, I do believe that when you see the church is persecuted, that the church is multiplied. Mm-hmm. So you do see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also see that when the church is persecuted, that there's a scattering, mm-hmm. whether whether inadvertently or on purpose. Sure. We could talk about that some other time, but, right. but when the church is being persecuted by the world, the flesh, or the devil, um, it has an opportunity now to respond and shine even brighter, mm-hmm. uh, to show itself as as unique and different, mm-hmm. not to be nominal in any way, but to to be the true church of God. And so I think you're absolutely right. None of us crave persecution. None of us are, are begging for it. In fact, I'm thankful for the blessings that God has, has put in our lives and in our churches. And I believe that his favor is, is so, it's, it's present. Mm-hmm. With that said, uh, he does allow for pruning, for, for growth. Right. And if we can respond rightly during it, not oh no, the sky is falling, but okay, God, you're allowing this to happen in our lives it must be that you are wanting to, to see glory in this. Mm-hmm. It must be that you, you are wanting to see honor throughout this, mm-hmm. which we know is the case.
0: Right. I also think about it in terms of, you know, there's there's obviously um, the gospel is extended greatly. There's so much fruit once the per- persecution starts to set in. Mm-hmm. Once we see Stephen, uh, you know, martyred and killed, the gospel spread spreads and it abounds. There's yeah. no doubt, doubt about that. But I also think about the idea of personal revival, too. and this is where our conversation, Alan and I went last week. You know, I think about Acts chapter two, and there in some regards, there's a there's a lot of fruit uh, before the persecution actually sets in. Mm-hmm. And I think about what peter is is, is you know, three thousand people get saved in
1: in Acts chapter two, right? Five thousand even before they are thrown in, you know thrown in jail, right? And Uh, and so,
0: something is going on there, mm -hmm. as it regards personal revival. What do you what do you think about that?
1: In regards to explain the question again.
0: So in terms of like say say right now you know we don't we don't have there's no physical violence being done against Christians in the Kansas City metro area, Mm -hmm. or in in Cartersville Georgia or in you know in New Philadelphia Ohio in these places we're not seeing that. But for living faith fellowship churches uh, to see revival in their midst, to see their communities impact, and in a way that reminds us of the radicality of Acts, what is necessary in the hearts of the believers, absent that kind of persecution, that's, that's necessary to see fruit.
1: Yeah, and I think we could we could find it either I can judge myself, mm-hmm. or I can have God judge me. Mm-hmm. I can fall on the uh, you know under under His mercy. Or I can live a riotous life and then expect to see His judgment on me. And I believe that as we as churches are willing to, um, I'm failing to say it properly, but examine ourselves, we place ourselves in a place of blessing. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that God as our Father wants to make our lives painful, miserable. I believe that persecution and loss is to bring us to a place, to bring our communities, to bring ourself to a place where we realize all we need is Him. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe that God is in heaven just hoping to like, make my life miserable. No. He wants to make it joyous and, and blessed and happy and wonderful to be His child. That's what a father does. Mm-hmm. But He's willing right. because He knows that, that it would produce righteousness in me if these things are removed And I believe that there was mercy given to the the Jews in in the early church before the persecution started to see, would you, will you, will you obey? Right. And I believe that as we obey God, and we've seen this in discipleship, you see a person who starts to obey God and their whole life gets turned around and and they start to do it God's way and surprise it works. Wow, my life starts to make sense. Mm -hmm. And I believe God gives us those seasons.
0: Right. And you know, it also makes me think about how the uh, the, the church in Antioch was established. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was there was a, there was a scattering of Jews, mm-hmm. and there were some who used that as an opportunity to to go and preach the gospel among the Jewish people, right? And there's others who chose to go uh, go to Antioch and to preach the gospel there. And it's and it's really interesting to see the faith of people on display um, making choices, uh, you know, absent the persecution, you know, they could have there's you could' have go you could go here, you could go there. It's kind of up to you where you end up moving. You could go to Samaria. you could go there's places you could go, but wherever they went, they made a choice
1: mm-hmm. to be a light. yeah, god God doesn't want us to be robots. Mm-mm. And he allows us so much grace to actively move around the cabin you know mm-hmm. uh I, I there especially for young people i see this is that we're we're terrified to make the wrong choice mm-hmm. i don't want to mess up i don't want to be outside of the will of god and uh, you know i always ask them are are you in the word are are you in prayer are you you know i go over the four goals of discipleship sure. are are these things present and and they'll say well well yeah yeah i'm i'm doing all those things well then man walk with the lord yeah walk with him is he gonna bring you back to jerusalem or not is is he gonna bring you here there's so much grace well Mm -hmm. what if this is the wrong job yeah what if this is the wrong thing well then god will redirect you but i think there is a fear um, that we're you know gonna mess up god's plan and and god's in heaven saying no my plan's gonna be fulfilled in you as well you know, whether you take this job or that job, it's going to be okay. Now, if those decisions are in the flesh or if those decisions are absent of seeking his direction, well, yeah, there's, there could be cause for great consequence. But there's checks and balances for that too within the body of Christ. If you are in the will of God with the body of Christ under the submission of, of the pastor in your life, there's so many things that can, can protect us. But I'm just, I, it halts us. Why, why were they going to all these cities? You know why were they doing all these things because they knew that people there needed the gospel right. yeah. and, but we second guess it and we overthink it and, and it moves us to do nothing mm-hmm. instead of doing something
0: so so as we you know as we finish up this this episode with all of that in mind with the obedience of the apostles with the radicality of their living with the boldness of their voice with the freedom of the early church's decisions to mm-hmm. go and to, to seek and, and to save the lost. And what we see in Acts as a testimony, what, what is it that you would say uh, to living faith churches, your church, my church, the churches that we associate with, uh, students in LFBI, what do you, th- you know, in, in just a, in a parting word, what do you believe... Um, is the beginning of having the vision that you're discussing. What is, it, what is it that we need to
1: have that level of vision? Yeah. Peter's messages were, for the most part, in the early church and, and in the first part of Acts to the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. And it had a strong focus on the second coming of their Messiah, the second coming of Christ. We need that. We need that focus as well, that Christ is coming back. Do I believe that? Am I living with that mindset Uh, no matter where I'm at, whether I'm in LFBI or whether I'm finished with LFBI or I'm, I'm pastoring or serving in some capacity or I'm brand new? I believe what, would, what will keep us in check is that we know that our Savior is coming back. Mm-hmm. And not just happy days, but that there is judgment, that, that there is the judgment seat of Christ for us in Christ. And I think a message that I'm, I'm speaking very shortly from Acts 4, you see four different things that are preached. You see the preaching of the gospel, that that's the only way the church will grow. Mm-hmm. So we got to stop being clever. we got to stop thinking that we're the smartest thing. But the preaching of the gospel is how the church will grow. So let's mm-hmm. get away from the gimmicks. Right. Let's, let's stop playing the games and all the consumerism and commercialism. Uh, the second one is the preaching of the word. The preaching of the word is how the believer will grow. Mm-hmm. So we have the preaching of the gospel. That's the only way the church is going to grow. No other way. The preaching of the word is how belief is going to grow in us. Mm-hmm. The preaching of your testimony, which we saw with, with the lame man, and even Peter himself is preaching this testimony. You see, that's the only way that, that the gospel is going to grow in our communities. The, so, so you have the preaching of the gospel, which is the only way the church is going to grow. You have the preaching of the word, which is the only way belief is going to grow. You have the preaching of, of, our, of our testimonies, which is one of the most powerful ways for the gospel to grow in our, in our communities. Mm-hmm. But lastly, the preaching of Christ is the, is the only way that the temple of God will grow. He is the cornerstone. And if we build upon anything else, upon, not upon the gospel, not upon the, uh, the word, not upon Christ, even the testimony of what God has done in you, uh, we, we should not expect success uh, at this time in our lives. So
0: so you're saying that, that what we need is faith with urgency and that we need to be willing to preach the gospel and to preach in, in every regard the truth of God's word um, mm. to a lost and dying generation with the same, the same exact motivation that we
1: see among the apostles. It's right there. Yeah. It's not hidden. And, and, and Luke does such a great job of telling it in this storybook fashion. Mm-hmm. It's exciting to read. Let's join up. Yeah. Let's I'm be a part you. of it. Well, Dan, thanks.
0: For this time. I mean, it has been inspiring. It's been a great conversation. I really enjoyed sitting with you. Hopefully we'll get to do it again yeah. soon. We want to thank you for joining us as well. Uh, we're, we're, we invite you to check out lfbi.org to learn more about our Bible Institute. We would love that. To even consider whether or not God's calling you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and to grow in your faith and, and to learn God's word. It doesn't matter what church you're coming from. We would love to talk to you about what it would mean to, to come to LFBI and learn more of God's Word. Uh, if you have questions about Living Faith Fellowship, uh, our, our family of churches that we often talk about in these, in these podcasts, we want to invite you to, to check out lffellowship.com, and you'll learn a lot about what that means to be a part of Living Faith Fellowship, and there's actually an, an area where you can go and you can join yourself, uh, su- submit your name uh, to uh, come in contact with our pastors and get to know them a little bit more. If, uh, in, if you have any interest in discipleship and what it means for your church to have a biblical philosophy of discipleship, which is another thing we talk a lot about in these podcasts, we want to ask that you would uh, check that portion of our, our Living Faith Fellowship website out as well. There's a section that says, what is biblical discipleship? Go there and learn about what discipleship means and our philosophy. We would really love to talk to you about that. Feel free to reach out anytime. Again, I'm Pastor Brandon Briscoe, and we want to thank you for joining us on this episode of The Postscript.